three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 442. Welcome in. Uh, I got a story for you today. I live in the tropics. I'm still getting used to what that is like. And uh, I've been drinking throat coat, like tea, basically. I've been a tea person for the last, like, five days because my throat's been really, really sore. Last night, uh, went to bed, put my tea next to my, you know, on my nightstand. I was trying to sleep for a couple hours for getting up and recording the show. And I wake up in the morning, and in my tea, sitting half his body in, half his body out, kind of like it's a hot tub, <laughs> is a gecko. A little, a common, like, house gecko. He was kind of pink, but really they're translucent, translucent if you look at them and he was just uh, treating my tea like a hot tub. I don't I, – I really uh, was thrown off. I, I, I'm kind of alarmed. All I really have to say on top of that really is the thought that he had to come through my back door. He climbed through my studio, through my bedroom, up my nightstand, into my tea. And I'm like, that's a long way to go. Like how many geckos are in my – apartment that I just have no idea. Are, are they everywhere? Are they behind all the curtains? I like, I, I really kind of don't want to know, but the thought that in a very brief short of time, you know, amount of time while I was sleeping, he made it all the way into my, my tea and was hanging out, chilling in my tea. Kind of gross, kind of disturbing. Um, they're actually great. Like they're kind of like, we, we, we don't have mice here. We do, but not in houses. We have geckos and the geckos are great because they eat all the bugs and you know, flies and spiders and cockroaches and stuff. And so uh, maybe not cockroaches. Those are kind of big for a, a gecko. But um, all in all, they're friendly and they're kind of cute. I, but again, I just – I'm like how many of them are in my apartment just running around and I have no idea that that's going on. That that thought to me makes me feel a little bit alarmed. Uh, let's now talk about NFL Week 18. The regular season is over and – you can argue that the final regular season game of the year was also the best game all year in the NFL. The Raiders beat the Chargers 35-32 to in overtime. This was a crazy and fun, very, very exciting football game. The result is that the Raiders are going to the playoffs, and the L.A. Chargers are not. I got to say, it made me so happy watching... Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback, celebrate. He was running off the field like, yeah, like just having a moment. And uh, it's hard to be mad watching that. This was an insane year for the Raiders, man. The Raiders had a, you know, their coach, John Gruden, resigned, kind of got fired, kind of whatever. He left early, halfway, you know, partway through the year. Uh, one of their star receivers, Henry Ruggs, got drunk and killed someone driving. And he's off the team. And they had another First-round pick uh, who got cut after an off-field incident. So, like, they've had so many things go wrong for the Raiders this year. The fact that they were able to make the playoffs and salvage the year, most teams would have a year where that many things go wrong. You lose your coach. How many times do you lose a coach early on in the year and then still make the playoffs after that? That doesn't happen in the NFL especially. And, uh, my gosh. So the Raiders made the playoffs with an interim head coach, Rick Bisaccia, and I'm not going to lie, even a, a few weeks ago, I was thinking like, well, the Raiders are a great job opening because they've got Derek Carr and they've got, you know, Vegas is a cool city. And you would think, hey, 
that that's going to be a, a job that will be open for sure. Like, they're not going to keep Rich Basaccia, no matter how well he's done. I don't know that they're going to keep him still. But it is possible Rich Basaccia keeps his job in Vegas. And if anything, making the playoffs will give Mark Davis, the owner, kind of a pause where you go, huh, should we keep this guy? Because he's done way better than anybody expected and uh, really the ultimate person who I think deserves respect from the Raiders' playoff appearance now is Derek Carr, their starting quarterback. And it's kind of weird. I hear people, even still today, talking about how, by the way, after a win, beating the Chargers in overtime, making the playoffs, given the year they had, still there are comments from people saying that the Raiders need a new quarterback and Derek Carr is not the answer. Derek Carr isn't good enough. What more do you want? I don't understand. Like, I I thought the Raiders were not going to make the playoffs, but the fact they were even a game away from making the playoffs, to me, blew my mind. Then they made it in, and I'm like, well, <laughs> seriously, what else do you want? I don't understand how anybody could be critical of Derek Carr at this point. Is he perfect? No. But he's a really good quarterback and very, very much underappreciated. He makes so many big plays. He's a great leader. He's the heart and soul of that football team. And the fact that Derek Carr led his team to the playoffs despite everything that went wrong this year. Unbelievable. Like, Justin Herbert, rightfully so, gets all the love. And look, Justin's amazing. He deserves all the praise he gets. But Justin Herbert is not in the playoffs. Derek Carr is. Derek Carr, again, I feel like I'm repeating it over and over, but he lost his coach midseason. <laughs> what? And he still made it. And somehow, I just don't get how we're not respecting Derek Carr even more. Imagine if Derek Carr had the kind of talent around him that Baker Mayfield had in Cleveland. Derek Carr made a throw on third and eight. I can't remember if it was an out route or a comeback. But it was along the sideline, left sideline, into a tiny window, a defender right next to his receiver. It had to be a perfect throw. It was a perfect throw. What more do you want Derek Carr to do? I, I just... Do you remember how horrible the Raiders were for years and years and years? And Derek Carr joined the Raiders when they were awful. And they've never really put a great team around him. It's almost, you know, do, do people remember the Jamarcus Russell era? Because I do. Raiders fans that don't like Derek Carr come across to me as ungrateful. But I, I will say I'd love to see Derek Carr on a great roster because I think he could win a lot if you really put – I mean, ah – I felt like early on this year they were building towards that. And they made the playoffs, but can you imagine if they had a young star receiver still, a really good young corner? I mean, they had a coach that we knew was going to be around for a couple of years. I mean, I, I really, I so very much want the Raiders to build a great team around Derek Carr because it's clear he's doing so much with not a lot of help around him and a lot of turmoil around him. Now, uh, the game was almost a tie. And you know every year leading up to the playoff push you hear, you see CBS Sports, ESPN, all these social media apps and TikTok and whatever, all these like little things. Well, if this happens and this happens and it's like it's like the Charlie Day, he's, he's you know, up on a whiteboard, like got all these weird connecting dots that aren't necessarily connected, but he's kind of, a, it's kind of insanity. One of the wild scenarios that were possible was that if the Raiders and the Chargers tied, they could both make it into the NFL playoffs. And I saw that all week and thought, no way, that's not going to happen. That's impossible. It's just not going to happen. And then the Colts lost. And I was like, oh, 
Well, that opens the door for potentially that happening. And then the Chargers tied things up at the end of the fourth quarter. They had this kind of crazy comeback, and the game went to overtime. And I'm like, oh, crap. They really could tie. And then both teams kicked a field goal in overtime. It was tied 32-32, and you're like, is this really going to happen? Is this? No way. The, the Chargers and Raiders are not going to tie. And they didn't, but they almost did. And, uh, oh, boy, I can't imagine. So if the game had been a tie, Pittsburgh would not have made the playoffs. And so uh, what Pittsburgh, all they wanted was somebody, either team, to win the football game. And <laughs> then the Raiders won. And I can't imagine the feeling for Steelers fans when they're sitting at home like, oh. <gasps> Oh my gosh, because it's up and down, and you're like, is this is the least probable thing possible going to happen that these two teams tie in the final game of the year in overtime after both kicking field goal in overtime? It just got crazier and crazier, and uh, it's worth saying that the Chargers made a pretty wild comeback in this game where so Justin Herbert threw an interception in the fourth quarter. That led to a Raiders field goal, gave them a 29-14 lead with eight minutes and 20 seconds left. And then you got to give credit to Justin Herbert because he made throw after throw after throw. Fourth and ten, third and ten, so many long conversions. He had a throw for a touchdown on third, no, no, fourth. It was, there was a third and 21, but this is fourth and 21 on the 23-yard line. He threw a touchdown in that situation. They got a two-point conversion. That made the game Raiders up 29-22. And then my notes literally from that point go like, Third and 10, Herbie throws for a first down. Fourth and 10, fourth and 10 again. Third and 10, third and 10 again. Big throw after big throw after big throw. Conversion after conversion after conversion. And it all came down to the Chargers on the 12-yard line, first and 10, with five seconds left in the game. And what do you know? Justin Herbert threw the game-tying touchdown to force overtime. Oh, my God. Goodness, I was watching just like, this is amazing. This is so crazy and so fun to see. And I, for a moment, I thought, what if LA goes for two and the win right here, right now? And I would have liked to see that. And honestly, they probably should have because they didn't make the playoffs. They might have if they got it there. And also, like, the, the Chargers gambled all year long. Why not go for two in that moment right there? I don't know. Uh, but even though the Chargers lost and did not make the NFL playoffs. I really do not want it forgotten. Justin Herbert was incredible in this game. He was amazing. He made big time throw after big time throw. He's so good with pressure in his face. He'll like literally use his hands to like push a defender out of the way and throw a ball downfield. And you're like, I, I can't even fathom that. He's, he's so big. He's so accurate. He's so strong. And the two most exciting, fun, young quarterbacks to watch in the NFL right now are Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Uh, you can throw Kyler in there, Lamar, but these two guys are just bigger, better, stronger than everyone. I don't consider Patrick Mahomes a, a young quarterback anymore. He's more of a veteran now. When you win an MVP, you become a veteran, but I, I can't say enough. Justin Herbert is he's – he's not just one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. He's one of the best quarterbacks in, in the NFL, period. Now, we got to talk about the Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley. Look, uh – Brandon Staley is getting hard to defend. I like the guy. I really do. And he did some really cool stuff on defense this year. Got added some new wrinkles and, uh, you know, kind of brought new life to the NFL and new ideas. And he's well-spoken. I like how often Brandon Staley goes for it on fourth down. I like all that stuff. And the Chargers are really fun to watch this year. 
But in the third quarter, down three points, fourth and one on his own 18-yard line. Brandon Staley went for it. He didn't get it, and the Raiders, as a result, got a field goal. But I just let – me, let me repeat that so in case you missed it. Fourth and one on your own 18-yard line, down three points, 17 to 14, eight minutes left in the third quarter. What – what the he- – uh, what? What happened there? You handed your opponent three points in a game you lost by three. I can't defend that. I can't defend that at all. Like, dude, read the room. What are you doing? The fan base in L.A. already thinks that you are a guy who goes for it way too often on fourth down. It's just bizarre. Fourth and one, your own 18-yard line. It's not like you're down 21 points. It's a three-point game. Eight minutes left in the third quarter. You're on your own 18-yard line. What in the world? I can't fathom that. I don't get it. And then later, you know, he also called a timeout with 38 seconds left in overtime when it felt like the Raiders were just going to allow the game to... I felt like the Raiders were just going to let the clock run out. They're like, hey, we're going to kind of keep going, but, you know, we're not really in field goal range yet, and we're going to let the clock run out. And Brandon Staley, for some reason, called the timeout. The Raiders even said that's the moment that they were like, they kind of gathered themselves and were like, wait, we're going to try to go for the win here. Like, we were kind of close, and we get a first down here, we can kick a field goal. They did get the first down. They did kick the field goal. They did win. Brandon Staley, man, I love the guy. And I don't think you fire Brandon Staley at all. I want to see what he can do next year. And you know, I'm not really sure who you would even hire to replace him. But Brandon Staley deserves a bit of a side eye today. We were like, what? What, are you, what were you thinking, my man? Like, I don't, I don't understand that. And he's a guy, you look at what he's done this year. He's had one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, Justin Herbert. A really good roster. I am convinced LA's roster was capable of going 13-4. and four. So it's a team with a ton of talent that did not make a playoff appearance this year. They went 9-8. and eight. Plus the fourth and one, plus that weird timeout at the end. If there's a conversation about Brandon Staley getting fired, I understand it. I don't think he should get fired, but I think having that conversation is reasonable because this is a team that vastly underachieved. And uh, I don't know. I want to see what Brandon Staley can do. Again, I, I repeat this. I do not know who you could bring in to do better next year for him. Like, There's not a lot of great options right now available in the coaching world, in my opinion, in the, in the NFL. So uh, I, I think he's a good young coach, and I, I hopefully he learned a lot of tough lessons this year. But... Um, Definitely. Like, if you're looking at Brandon Staley going like, dude, like, what are you doing? Totally, totally valid and uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, uh, here is something that I was watching live and I could not believe it was happening. The Jaguars beat the Colts 26-11 to in week 18 of the NFL season. So the Colts went 9-8 and and they did not make the playoffs. They missed the playoffs. Oh, what? They had a crazy year. The Colts started one and four. They almost recovered. I thought Indy was going to make a playoff push. And clearly they had a ton of talent. Indy had more pro bowlers than any other team in the NFL this year. And all they had to do to make the playoffs was beat the, at the time, two and 14 
Jacksonville Jaguars, and they could not make it happen. Can you imagine that? You're like, hey, all you got to do to make the playoffs is beat the Jaguars, who are so bad, they've had the number one overall pick now two years in a row. They got it again. By the way, congrats to the Jaguars, number one overall pick again. And, you know, it was a roller coaster watching Indy this year. And watching them lose kind of just made me feel like all of that was for nothing. Like, the entire year I was so invested. Like, oh, they're going to come back. They're, they're, you know, oh, my gosh. Like, I just remember this. this um, I was invested. I wanted – I was almost a Colts fan. I was, like, right on the edge of, like, man, like, I really, really want to see this team win and do well. And uh, for them to not make the playoffs was just, again, that feeling of, like, really? That, that entire year, that journey, that roller coaster led us nowhere. <laughs> All right, then. That's I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that. That's horrible and weird. Uh, listen to this. In the final seven games, Indy dominated Buffalo, a playoff team. They beat Houston uh, 31-0. They lost to Tampa. I can live with that. They lost to Tampa by seven points. Then they beat two other playoff teams, the Patriots and the Cardinals. They lost in the final two games, though, to the Raiders, who were one of the weaker playoff teams, and then the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, the Jaguars literally have the number one overall pick in the NFL. They're the worst team in football, and Indy could not beat them. And how can you not point the finger at the Colts quarterback, Carson Wentz? This is a game where you got the playoffs on the line. You got to step up. You got to play well. Carson Wentz had to deliver in this moment, and he didn't just have to win. He had to have a good game. I actually think I could have, if he, like, if Carson has a great game, throws for, like, four touchdowns, 400 yards, and is awesome, no no turnovers, I'm like, well, look, he did everything he could. He didn't do everything he could. Carson had a bad game, and they lost. Indy traded a first-round pick and a third-round pick to get him. And Carson was 17 for 29, 185 yards, one touchdown, with two turnovers, an interception and a fumble. By the way, a bad interception, where you're like, Bro, what are you doing? That's not a good, there's nothing open. What, what's happening there? And even more crazy is Carson Wentz got outplayed by a rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, the Jaguars rookie. By the way, what a great way to end the year for the Jaguars. The Jaguars, here's what happened to them at the end of the year. Not only did they secure the number one overall pick, they did it while winning. They beat a division rival, kept them out of a playoff appearance, and... Their rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, had maybe his best game of his NFL career so far. He ended the year on a high note. Trevor was 23 for 32, 223 yards, two touchdown passes, zero turnovers. Again, the rookie, Trevor Lawrence, outplayed Carson Wentz on Sunday. Bro, that can't happen. Carson Wentz cannot allow a rookie quarterback to outplay him in a must-win playoff scenario. It's bad. And by the way, Trevor Lawrence had a really sweet touchdown. Third and goal. High snap. You know, bad snap. He avoids a sack. He's rolling right. Finds Marvin Jones in the end zone for a touchdown. He made throw after throw after. I remember watching, like, that's a nice throw. That's a nice throw. I watched a lot of really good stuff from Trevor Lawrence on Sunday, and that's exciting. But Carson had a bad interception. A fumble that I think he was actually trying to, like, I think he was trying to throw the ball forward, like, underhand, and it got ruled a fumble. And it's a gray area there. You're kind of trying to understand intent when it looks – it was a, it looked like a fumble, but it also looked like he could have been trying to throw it forward. 
Even more damning, though, is the Colts got stopped on fourth and goal from the one-yard line. They couldn't run it in. And I'm glad they tried to run it. You got Jonathan Taylor, the best running back in the league. You want to run the ball fourth and one of the one-yard line, but you got stopped. And, and I guess you don't deserve to win if you can't convert on, on fourth and inches, fourth and one with your offensive line in that situation. The Jaguars led this game 26-3 to with eight minutes left. Like, it was no, it, it's not like a game was like, oh, the Jaguars pulled away a little bit at the end. No, no, they dominated this game. The Colts got dominated by Jacksonville. All right. And I want to look back to that Carson Wentz trade because Philly got a first-round pick and a third-round pick. And by the way, Philly's going to have three first-round picks in the upcoming NFL draft. And the Eagles made a playoff appearance. The Colts, no first-round picks next year. No playoffs. Nothing. Just a a weird middle-of-the-road record and a, a very, very disappointing end to the year. It's not over. I don't want to be all doomsday for the Colts. I mean, Indy's got... It's year one with Carson Wentz. They'll be hopefully back and better next year. The year was rough. They had injuries and all kinds of stuff went wrong. They had... I, but, man. Man, oh, man. I, uh, and, you know, the Rona affected this season for sure. They had players who missed games because of that, too. But... That's an excuse you can make for literally every NFL team. The result, the bottom line, is that the Colts are still feeling the effect of Andrew Luck retiring early. You know, they they scrambled. When he retired early, they're like, we'll go with Jacoby Brissett, and then they had a year with Phillip Rivers, and now we're a third year in a row with a new quarterback, Carson Wentz. And it was really disappointing because I thought that, like, unquestionably the Colts had finally found their franchise quarterback. And I still think Carson is that guy, but I I have some doubt that's been cast on that. And a lot of people like in my DMS on Patreon, they're all saying like, well, Carson Wentz is a, he's a, it's a Super Bowl team. The Colts have, but Carson Wentz is not a Super Bowl quarterback. That's not good. Now, Carson Wentz made some amazing plays this year. He did some good stuff. I'm not trying to hate on Carson. There was a, a brief period where I thought Carson was the only, like, really good player on the Colts. I mean, early on in the year, they were 1-4. and four. He was actually playing well. But as a team got better and they needed him, he didn't step up. And, man, the Colts are better than a 9-8 and eight record for sure. That's the bottom line. They made, did not make the playoffs. Again, Rona injured, you know, impacted stuff. Injuries definitely impacted how the year went. But... the big one, the biggest thing that affected this football team is that in the biggest game of the year, you got to win against Jacksonville. Your starting quarterback has a bad game. And again, I could, if he had a bad game, but they, or if he had a good game, but they lost, I would have said, well, look, Carson did everything he could, but I can't even say that. It's just very, very, if you're a Colts fan, I'm sorry, man. I feel very disappointed for you guys. It was brutal. It was rough. And, uh, I mean, how do you live with losing to the Jaguars and, as a result, do not make the playoffs because you can't beat Jacksonville? It's like, they won three games all year? Oh, it's it's painful. And I just, uh, as a, I don't know, I wasn't, I'm not a Colts fan. But I, I felt like a Colts fan a lot of times this year. I was like, like I'm, I'm like on the edge of, I'm crossing a line where I'm like, I really am rooting for this football team. Painful. It was a painful loss to watch on Sunday with the Jaguars beating the Colts. 
tea. I got a mug today. It's uh, from Yellowstone. I got it in the great state of Montana. It's a Yellowstone National Park mug. It's really cool. It's like purple. It's very shiny. It probably reflects the lighting way too much, but I love this thing. I'm drinking um, throat coat tea. My, my throat has been a mess for like days and days and days, but I'm trying. It's getting better, and I've been drinking. I've just been pounding. I don't know if it's healthy or not. I've been pounding throat coat like over and over, and it's only – I've been drinking water. I've been drinking just tea with – or I guess water. I've been drinking warm water with throat coat you know, whatever that means, whatever leaves from that tea are in it. So I'm probably not going to die. I would think like, can you drink tea for every, can you, can you fully replace tea with water? I don't know, but I, I mean, it's not the worst. It's not like, I know some people that drink only like <laughs> diet Coke. So I'm, I'm, if I'm going to drink only tea, by the way, with no sugar, no milk, I'm probably fine. All right. The NFL regular season is over. So let's talk about Let's talk about the NFL draft. Here are the top 18 picks. Are the only, these are the only ones we know for sure. Uh, the rest have to be determined through the playoffs. But here are the top 18 picks for the upcoming 2022 NFL draft. Number one, the number one overall pick at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, two years in a row they've had this. Good for them, honestly. Like, they get to keep building their roster. They got a young team. Got a lot of good p- things to feel good about. Good young players. Uh, they get Travis Etienne back next year, Trevor Lawrence. They're going to hire a new coach. And I actually think that the Jaguars are not a terrible job opportunity. Like, I'm like, oh, look, I don't, I don't know that I would want to coach there. Uh, but you got Trevor Lawrence, who showed promise in the final game of the year. And you've got an opportunity now to draft another big impact player with the number one overall pick, probably some kind of defensive lineman. Uh, the guy from Oregon's really good. I'm also interested if... So he, I want to before we get through the rest of the the top teams. There are five teams that I calculate need a quarterback: Washington, the Giants, Carolina, the Cleveland Browns, and the Denver Broncos. I don't know that Pittsburgh is going to be able to trade up, but I'm curious if any of the teams are going to trade up to a spot like Jacksonville, or maybe you know the Lions have the number two overall pick. Could Detroit trade down to get a bunch of draft capital? Now the third, so. Number one overall pick, Jaguars. Number two overall pick, the Detroit Lions. The question is, will they stick with Jared Goff? I think they will. Uh, I think the best quarterback available in the NFL draft is Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty. Look, I've learned from watching Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, and year after year watching these really talented quarterbacks come in the league. Lamar Jackson is another example of a guy who was immensely talented, who developed a little bit and became a great NFL quarterback. Malik Willis is by far the most talented quarterback in the NFL draft. And he's got some NFL habits. I think he's going to be a guy who could need a little bit of time. But I I would not be shocked if Malik Willis was the number one quarterback drafted in this NFL draft. And if Detroit drafted him number two overall, I would not be that disappointed. Number three, the Texans have the number three overall pick. That's Houston. The Jets have the number four overall pick. The Giants have the number five overall pick, back-to-back New York picks. Carolina has the number six overall pick. I think Carolina could probably stay at number six and still get a quarterback if they want one. Whether it's Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, I don't know. Uh, but it, there's not a – the team's at the top. Houston has Davis Mills. The Jets have Zach Wilson. The Jaguars have Trevor Lawrence. The Lions have Jared Goff. The top four or five picks probably don't need a quarterback. So you could get away with, like, will the Giants draft a quarterback? I don't know. They said they're bringing Daniel Jones back. I hope they do, but I don't know that – 
how much better is Matt Corral than Daniel Jones? I don't know. Um, so we'll see what they do. So it's very possible Carolina could stay at the number six overall pick and still get a potential first-round quarterback. Uh, the Giants also have the number seven overall pick. They got that from the Chicago Bears in the Justin Fields trade last year. Number eight overall, the Falcons have that pick. The Broncos, Denver has a number nine overall pick. I got to say, I cannot believe after what transpired this past year, I still can't believe that the Denver Broncos did not draft Justin Fields. Like, what were they thinking? It doesn't make any sense to me. They had this young, talented quarterback just sitting there waiting to be drafted, and they, they chose not to. And what's the number one problem in Denver right now? They don't have a quarterback, and they got the number nine overall pick this year. That's great, but I don't know that they can get a good quarterback like Justin Fields with the number nine overall pick this year. And it's just like, oh, the stupidity it drives me nuts. The number, 10, the number 10 overall pick is the New York Jets. They got that from Seattle in the Jamal Adams trade. So the Jets got two top 10 picks. That's a massive deal for them. Good for them. They got some opportunities to really draft well and keep building their franchise Number 11 is Washington. They need a quarterback. They could get a quarterback number 11 overall, although I would r remind you that last time Washington waited to get a quarterback. They didn't move up. They drafted Dwayne Haskins. How did that go? If you like somebody a lot, if you're like, if Washington's looking at a quarterback, they're like, we like, let's say Matt Corral. They're like, we love Matt Corral. We believe in him. We think he's the answer to turn around our franchise. Then don't wait to draft him at 11. Go get him. Because you don't want to lose him to someone else. And uh, I don't know. It's just my, my two cents there. The Vikings have the number 12 overall pick. They don't need a quarterback. Uh, I think they would. I don't know. what. The, I actually have no idea what the Vikings even need. I feel like they're. I would tell you if I did. I think a lot of these teams I got a good read on. Vikings fans, let me know. What does Minnesota need in the draft coming up this year? The Browns have a number 13 overall pick. They need a quarterback. I think they're too far back to get one. I also don't know that. I think what really what Cleveland needs to do, and, and I could see, I think Matt Corral would be fun. Matt Corral's the wild card. I don't know how the NFL views him. I haven't watched all his film yet. I think Matt Corral could run that Browns offense really interestingly. He can run. He can move. Uh, that'd be kind of fun. But I think what the Browns really need to do is trade for Matt Ryan. And that's a big question. It's like, could Matt Ryan get traded? And how will that impact what the Falcons do? The number 14 overall pick is the Ravens. The number 15 overall pick is the Eagles pick from Miami. They traded, remember that trade? Uh, then you also got the Eagles have the number 16 overall pick. That's from Philadelphia in the Carson Wentz trade. The Chargers have the number 17 overall pick, and the Saints have the number 18 overall pick. So, again, the teams that need a quarterback, are they going to move up? I don't know. Will Matt Ryan get traded? How could a potential Deshaun Watson trade impact the draft order and what happens there? Uh, what will the Lions do? Will they stick with Jared Goff? Could they draft Malik Willis? And will Houston stick with Davis Mills? Those are all the questions I have as we head towards the NFL draft in April. Uh, but so far, again, uh, the Jets have two top 10 picks. The Giants have two top 10 picks. Uh, the Jaguars have number one overall pick. The Lions have the number two overall pick. A lot of opportunity here for teams to build their franchise. Houston really interests me because they got the number three overall pick. They also have Deshaun Watson, which they could flip for a couple first-round picks or something like that. So I think Houston has a great opportunity here to – they have got a franchise quarterback. I like their head coach. 
and they could get a couple big picks and make some good draft picks and really build their franchise. So uh, I'm very interested. This year's NFL draft, particularly because of teams like Philadelphia, the Jets, the Giants, maybe Houston, having multiple first-round picks is a very exciting thought because it's teams that are bad that have a real opportunity to continue to build their franchise and turn things around. And Philadelphia, by the way, made the playoffs. Like, they're going to have three first-round picks, and they could do a lot of good with those picks. And uh, I'm excited to see that. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. My name is Zach Schaumler. When I return, we're going to talk about the NFL playoffs. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, we are back, but we're doing very, very well. Let's talk about the 14 NFL playoff teams. We will start in the AFC. I want to give a comment for each team in the playoffs. The number one seed in the AFC is the Tennessee Titans. They are 12-5. and And I just want to remind people, remember when Derrick Henry got hurt and everyone was saying, oh, the year is over. They can't possibly win without Derrick Henry. I kind of shared that opinion. I'm not going to lie. But I was careful to say, hey, let's wait and see how things go. Everyone declared their season over right then and there. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're still a good team. They got Kevin Byer. They got a lot of good stuff going on for them. Let's wait and see how they do without Derek, Car- without Derek Henry. And, uh, hey, they've done very well without Derek Henry. They maintained their lead in the AFC. They're the number one seed. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do in the playoffs. And I just uh, – I, I love when a team gets written off and they just go, ah, we don't care, and screw the noise and FEA, like Tom Brady would say. The number two seed in the AFC is the Kansas City Chiefs. They are 12-5. and five. You know, it's weird to say this. You know, he's won an NFL MVP. He's won a Super Bowl. But I actually thought that this was a year that Patrick Mahomes had to grow and, and get better. And, I, you know, he had a, a drive, a couple drives against Denver this weekend where it was like 17 play drives. There's just a Dinkin and Duncan taking short stuff underneath. He's not forcing throws downfield into coverage. He was taking what the defense gives him. And to me, that's a more mature more polished Patrick Mahomes. And so I, I would tell you, I think Patrick Mahomes got better this year in 2021. No, the number three seed in the AFC are the Buffalo Bills. They win 11 and six. They held off the Patriots. They won the AFC East. Good for them. And I, th- I think really the question is, will Brian Dable, their offensive coordinator, leave after this year? Buffalo is in search of a Super Bowl and they have had this common goal for a long time. And I wonder if, you know, regardless of a Super Bowl victory or not, will Brian Dable leave the Bills after this year? Number four, the Bengals were the number four seed in the AFC. They went 10 and seven. I just want to give like kind of a round of applause for the Bengals. I mean, oh my gosh, they, what a turnaround. Two years ago in 2019, the Bengals went two and 14 and had the number one overall pick. And now they have made the playoffs. They won the AFC North and Joe Burrow is walking on water. He's amazing. So uh, I'm very, very happy for Cincinnati, that city, Joe Burrow, what they're doing there. It's so much fun to watch and uh, good for them. The number five seed in the AFC is the Las Vegas Raiders. They went 10 and 7. And <laughs> it's so obvious what the storyline here is. It's that they lost their coach. They had a couple players, you know, get cut and have off the field problems. And they still found a way to continue their year and finish 10 and 7, get a playoff appearance and that's just really amazing to me that they were able to achieve that and especially given everything going on it's like it's amazing to me and Derek Carr their starting franchise quarterback deserves way more respect 
than he gets from the common NFL fan. The number six seed in the AFC is the New England Patriots. They went nine, sorry, they went 10 and seven. They went 10 and seven. Uh, they're back, man. The Patriots had a, a down year last year. They're back in the playoffs. They got Mac Jones. And whether it's this year, next year, and a couple years from now, I don't really care. At some point, I really want to see Bill Belichick win a Super Bowl without Tom Brady because we saw Tom win a Super Bowl without Bill. I want to see Bill win a Super Bowl without Tom and prove to the world, like, look, it's what happened with Bill and Tom was not one guy elevating the other. It was two people who were the best in the world at what they do coming together. When that happens, special things happen. But I want to see Bill get the respect he deserves without Tom Brady. The number seven seed in the AFC is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They went nine, seven, and one. Remember, uh, they tied the Detroit Lions. I don't know how that happened. I don't know why. They're a playoff team somehow. Uh, but they beat the Ravens in overtime to get themselves into a position to make the playoffs in Week 18. Big Ben made a ton of great throws. They won in overtime. Like, throw after throw, like, that's a great decision. That's a great ball. It was awesome to watch. And uh, I just want to ask you this question. What if, what if the Pittsburgh Steelers won the Super Bowl this year? Like, Big Ben's final year, he goes out on top. It'd be unexpected. It'd be crazy, you know. I don't think it's going to happen. They play Kansas City in, in the wild card round. But we've seen crazier things happen in the NFL. Remember when the Giants beat the Patriots? They were a wild card team. So I, I don't know. I Don't count out the Steelers completely. And uh, I, I just I don't think it's going to happen. I don't believe in this at all. But can you imagine if Big Ben in his final year in Pittsburgh made a run and they won a Super Bowl? How about the NFC? The number one seed in the NFC is the Green Bay Packers. They are 13-4. and four. I want to give a shout-out to their head coach, Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur, in his first three years, went 13-3, and 13-3, and three, and then 13-4. and four. He is 39-10 and 10 in his first three years as a head coach in Green Bay. And uh, by the way, they were 6-9-1 the year before he got there. Everyone talks about how Matt LaFleur wins because of Aaron Rodgers. Oh, and I'm like, whoa, 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 uh, hold on. Aaron Rodgers wasn't winning before Matt LaFleur got there. They're, they're both important. Aaron Rodgers is amazing. I love the guys. Incredibly talented. And I think that he's probably the MVP this year. But Matt LaFleur is a big part of why they're winning. Having a good quarterback and winning are very different things. And uh, Matt LaFleur deserves some shine and some respect for what he's done in Green Bay. The number two seed in the NFC is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are 13-4. and four. Uh, It's kind of weird, but I actually think the Antonio Brown drama and the stuff circling the organization right now. I think it's actually good for their football team. Kind of like when Alabama lost to Texas A&M this year in college football. It's an opportunity for this team to use it to refocus and kind of get their, you know, gather themselves, get back together. So we'll see. But I actually anticipate that the Antonio Brown stuff is going to have a positive effect on Tampa Bay. The number three seed in the NFC is the Dallas Cowboys. They went 12-5. and five. Uh, I am skeptical of Dallas. They've got a lot of talent, but they've got a lot of, man. You know, Trevon Diggs, their starting corner, who's amazing, has problems covering guys at times. He's got a lot of picks, but also gets burned deep a lot. How much do I trust Dak Prescott? I don't know, uh, but I'm very, very curious to see how the Cowboys will do. And I would, if the Cowboys won the Super Bowl this year, I'd be so happy because I am ready for someone new. Someone not named Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes to win a Super Bowl. And uh, 
I don't know. My eyes are open. I'm really interested. I want to see. If Dallas got back to a Super Bowl, that would be very, very cool. It would be good for Mike McCarthy. Uh, I think what I – maybe the dream scenario is we get Dallas against Green Bay, you know, back in Lambeau Field in the NFC title game to get into the Super Bowl. That would be Mike McCarthy against Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Game to get into the Super Bowl. That would be amazing. That's what I really, really want. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I, my ears are open. My eyes are open. I would love, love, love to see that take place. The number four seed in the NFC is the 12-5 and five LA Rams. Here's the thing. Rams are great. Playmakers on defense, Cooper Cup, good offensive line. They run the ball. They do a lot of stuff really, really well. Matthew Stafford, their starting quarterback, has to, has to avoid boneheaded mistakes. I love the guy. He seems like a likable dude. He's very talented. He can make a lot of throws that are amazing. But Matthew Stafford has a habit of making throws that you're like, dude, that's not open. That's triple coverage. Why are you, why are you forcing the throw and getting picked off? He, remember, the, remember the Tennessee game where they got dominated? He had two pick six. He had a pick six and two interceptions back-to-back. Like, was it three? I don't remember. Like, I just all year have watched Matthew Stafford make a lot of weird, bad throws. And they win often in spite of it. But I think in the playoffs, that's going to catch up to them. And I, uh, I'm greatly worried that Matthew Stafford is going to be a limiting factor, actually, for the L.A. Rams in the NFL playoffs. The number five seed is the Arizona Cardinals. They are 11-6. and six. Look, um, Arizona has the talent to make a deep playoff push. But they have to avoid small, little mistakes. They tend to have penalties in key critical moments or they have a bad snap or a snap that goes over Kyler Murray's head or a drop pass. It's just, it's always something in Arizona that goes wrong in an important moment. They can't have that if they want to make a deep playoff push. And right now uh, I don't have confidence that Arizona can win a Super Bowl. The 49ers are the number six seed in the NFC. They went 10 and seven. Their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo has a hurt thumb on his throwing hand and he, you know, was not great against the Rams week 18, but he made a lot of big plays at the end of the game to keep them alive and help them win that football game. So uh, I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl. I think this also might be Jimmy Garoppolo's last year starting in San Francisco, but we'll see. He's also, everything Jimmy Garoppolo does too could potentially, if nothing else, be a, an audition for potentially his next team when Trey Lance takes over in San Francisco. The final seed in the NFC, the number seven seed, is the Philadelphia Eagles. They are nine and eight. They made the playoffs. I just, I can't even believe it. I'm amazed. I'm happy for them. Uh, They're going to have three first-round picks, and they made the playoffs. They also traded away Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts, very affirming of my belief in him to see him make a playoff appearance. And Nick Sirianni, the head coach, I was so, so, so critical of Nick Sirianni when he took over as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. I did not believe in him. I didn't think it was going to work, and uh, he's done very well. They, they're winning. They're making the playoffs, and uh, I don't know. I don't think they're going to do much in the playoffs. Like, they played Tampa, so good luck. But uh, I don't know, man. I'm really, really interested and excited just for their future, not for what's going to happen. They're probably going to get destroyed in the playoffs, but to see them make a playoff appearance plus – the future they got coming with three first-round picks and a bunch of potential and young guys they got going on. I don't know. I'm very, very excited for the future in Philadelphia, even if they're not going to probably win a playoff game this year in 2021. Okay. Uh, let me drink some more tea. I think a tea actually makes it harder to talk. 
the tea in my throat feels good, but it also makes it very, very difficult to like talk. I feel like I'm, I don't know. I don't need to, don't need to get into it. But um, let's end today's show by talking about NFL coaches. So the Denver Broncos have fired their head coach, Vic Fangio, after three years in Denver. Is it Fangio or Fangio? He was so bad I never like learned. I feel bad. And let me Google that. I should figure out how to say his name as like the last time I'll ever talk about him as a head coach in Denver. Give me one second. Okay, I have confirmation. It is Vic Fangio. Uh, he was in Denver for three years. He went 19 and 30 in that time. Year one, he went 7 and 9. Year two, he went 5 and 11. And then this year, he went 7 and 10. The last two years, the Broncos were last in the AFC West. Uh, Vic Fangio actually makes me nervous for anyone hiring defensive coaches because his teams always had a ton of talent and he just never could develop a quarterback. He had Drew Locke, this young quarterback who he couldn't develop a quarterback. He also couldn't get a quarterback. They tried Teddy Bridgewater. They tried Case Keenum. They brought like they did everything they could in Denver to get a quarterback. It never worked. And Drew Locke, their young guy, um, just never developed. And they, I think part of that's because he's not an offensive minded coach. He was good at developing young quarterbacks. He's a defensive minded coach. And, Fangio even seemed to hate Drew Locke and kind of totally write him off this year. Like I, I, I felt like Drew Locke didn't get as many opportunities as he probably should have, given how desperate the Broncos were for a starting quarterback. Vic Fangio is a classic example of a coach who, in my opinion, was a great coordinator. Coordinator that maybe should have never been a head coach. And there's a couple quotes I'll share that will show that. Although I got to say, like, I, I still cannot believe that the Denver Broncos passed on Justin Fields in the NFL draft last year. Like, all you're going to hear uh, in coverage about the Denver Broncos is, well, Vic Fangio, good coach who never got a quarterback. But why did they never get a quarterback? Why, 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 why did they not draft Justin Fields, a young quarterback out of Ohio State last year? They passed on him. And Justin Fields was not amazing in his rookie year. Let's be clear about that. Um, but he also had... Matt Nagy coaching him, the Bears offense, and a mess there in Chicago, and he's a rookie. But if Vic Fangio, had, and you know, it wasn't him that drafted him, the GM drafted him, but if they drafted Justin Fields in Denver, maybe Vic Fangio would still have a job because then you could argue, well, we got a young quarterback, we're developing him, we went, you know, seven and ten, but we're only a couple games away from ten and seven, and let's see what the young quarterback can do. But because they were stagnant at quarterback, they didn't make a move. There is no hope. There's nothing they're building towards, and just, it's crazy to me. Now, um, Vic Fangio gave two quotes after losing to Kansas City on Sunday I want to highlight. Uh, one question, he was asked what separates the Broncos from the rest of the AFC West, and Fangio said those other three teams, the Raiders, the Chargers, Kansas City, they all have three top-shelf quarterbacks, which is obvious to everyone. And, well, that, that's totally true, by the way. He, like. What he said there isn't wrong. You know, he's like, look, we, they got Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. We got Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke. Like, come on. It's, of course, we're not going to beat them when we don't have what it takes to win a game, which is a, you know, a lot of games, which is a starting quarterback who's really good. And while it's true, you probably shouldn't say that because all it sounds like and all that people hear is you throwing your team under the bus. So I, I feel like Vic Fangio was too honest there, and that's the, the words of a man who – is resigned to the fact he knows he's going to get fired. The other angle, though, is that maybe, just 
Maybe. He probably was just trying to save face, but maybe he was also in that moment recruiting Aaron Rodgers, saying, look, if I can keep my job here and we can get Aaron Rodgers next year, Mr. Vic Fangio, I'm going to win a lot of games in Denver with Aaron Rodgers as my starting quarterback. And so maybe, I don't think so. I think, again, I think it was him saving face, but it's possible. In his head, when he said that, he thought he was recruiting someone like Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson to come to Denver and be his franchise quarterback. Now, another quote he gave, he said, if they run me out of here, I'll find work in the NFL without any trouble. And I saw a lot of Broncos fans saying that this is a very arrogant quote from Vic Fangio. Maybe, again, maybe. And this is why I would argue, like, maybe he should not have been a head coach. He's a guy who sounds very self, you know, he's, he's in preservation mode, worrying about himself more than about his team around him. Um, and that's not exactly a trait I would want for my head coach, which is a guy who's selfish. I wouldn't want to describe my head coach as someone who is selfish. That's not something I'm comfortable with. I want my coach to be team first. However, is he wrong? Vic Fangio is going to be a defensive coordinator somewhere next year in the NFL without any problem. Without any problem. He's beloved. He was amazing. He why did Matt Nagy once win NFL Coach of the Year? A lot of people argue because Matt Nagy, sorry, because Vic Fangio was his defensive coordinator. <laughs> Vic Fangio's a defensive genius, and I, I think that somebody's going to hire him to be their defensive coordinator this year and do very good stuff. And uh, I'm excited to see that because he's a, he's now a free agent. He's available. And was he a good head coach? Not really. Is he a great defensive mind who's really good as a defensive coordinator? Absolutely. And uh, Keep your eye on where Vic Fangio goes next year in the NFL. Here's a shocking one. I could not believe this. The Miami Dolphins have fired their head coach, Brian Flores, after three years. The word is shocking. Uh, last year in 2020, their team went 10-6. and six. They just barely missed a playoff appearance. And this year they went 9-8 and eight also, just barely narrowly missing a playoff appearance. They started 1-7 this year. That's not good. But they went on a seven-game winning streak, finished the year 9-8. and eight. And, you know, really, um, firing Brian Flores in this moment honestly reminds me of when the Detroit Lions fired Jim Caldwell. It's kind of a moment of, like, what? Like, you're winning. You're doing well. Like, you're, you're building towards something. Why would you pull the plug now? And it seems to me ungrateful. I want to ask, this is a real legitimate question. Who are the Miami Dolphins going to hire? Like, who's going to do a better job than Brian Flores did the last two years at taking what Adam Gase ran into the ground and turning it around in Miami? So Brian Flores did all the hard work of turning around the culture and building a good roster and building the team up, and then potentially another coach could come in and steal all the credit. I don't know what's going to happen there, but I there's not a lot of great options for, for the Miami Dolphins to hire. And I think the best possible coach they could have had next year was Brian Flores. Like, what the heck? I don't get it. Now, Brian Flores is not perfect. He's not without fault. He's a defensive-minded head coach, which means that he does not coach on offense. And he's not been very good at hiring coaches on the offensive side of the ball. Miami really needs someone who can help their young quarterback to a tongue of Aloha. And I would almost wonder, does firing Brian Flores mean that Miami is resigned to the fact that they're stuck with Tua Tungvaloa. Does it mean they're – and stuck is the wrong word there. It felt very clear Miami was pushing very, very hard to get Deshaun Watson. And I wonder, have they given up on that dream? 
Are they like, we're not getting Deshaun, we're going to stick with Tua and build around him? And I think the only, the only way you can justify firing Brian Flores is if you are bringing in someone like Kellen Moore or someone like that to uh, I, Brian Dable, maybe, from Buffalo. Somebody who's an offensive-minded head coach who will be the driving force behind you building your team around Tua and getting someone on offense who can coach Tua very closely. The same way the Rams did with Sean McVay in L.A. or the Bengals did with Zach Taylor in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. Like, are you going to get an offensive coach who can be the right hand on the hip pocket of Tua Tungavaloa next year? That's possible, but that's the only reason I can think of firing Brian Flores that can be justified is that, well, he's not an offensive coach. We want someone on offense to help develop our young quarterback. So is Miami planning to stick with Tua? I think that actually might be the the sign here of that. I would be pissed. If I was Brian Flores, I'd be like, are you kidding me? You were awful, an awful organization. And I went from, you went from Adam Gase to me. I turned the culture around. I beat the Patriots. I went 10 and 6, 9 and 8. I was building momentum. I never got an offensive line. I'm, I got this young quarterback I'm developing. And you pull the plug now after all this stuff? I would be furious. And I think Brian Flores has every right to be upset after getting fired. He did a good job in Miami. And I don't know that he should run off and become a head coach somewhere else. I think it's, it's always fine to take a little bit of time and assess all your options. But I would not be shocked if Brian Flores got hired somewhere. The same way Ron Rivera got fired by the Carolina Panthers and immediately got hired by Washington. I think we could see Brian Flores very quickly turn around and become a head coach somewhere else. But again, I still say, if you're a team that's a quarterback, as a young quarterback who needs to be developed, I don't know if that's going to work. I think you need to find, I think Brian Flores, um, somewhere like maybe Minnesota that has an established quarterback, something like that where, he doesn't need to develop a young guy. Could be an ideal situation. And I don't know that there's a lot of those available right now. I'm trying to think of the teams that are going to need a head coach. And I'm like, where does Brian Flores fit in? I don't know. But uh, keep your eye on that because Brian Flores will most likely become a head coach very quickly again in the NFL. Because he did a good job, but I thought unjustly got fired by Miami. Uh, the Vikings fired. The Vikings fired Mike Zimmer, their head coach, Uh he was in Minnesota for eight years. He had some good years, had some bad years. Mike Zimmer in 2015 went 11 and five. In 2017, they went 13 and three. They went to the NFC Championship game. In 2019, they went 10 and six. Uh, now, the last two years in Minnesota, Mike Zimmer went seven and nine and eight and nine. And his downfall was really that he had this very old school conservative philosophy on offense, and it hurt his football team. He's a defensive minded coach who wants to run the football and doesn't like throwing, and he just seems very grouchy and just kind of, I feel like the world is changing, and Mike Zimmer's been left in the past a little bit when it comes to his style and philosophy as a head coach and how he wants to run an offense, but I respect Mike Zimmer a ton. I mean, when I watch film of Mike Zimmer's defenses, I'm like, every game I feel like I'm like, well, that's an impossible blitz. That's an impossible coverage. That's amazing. I'm like, he's really good. He's hard to beat on defense like he's he's awesome and I think if you paired Mike Zimmer with a young offensive minded head coach say like Kellen Moore becomes a head coach somewhere and he's like hey I want to bring Mike Zimmer along as my defensive coordinator because he's got a lot of valuable wisdom for like a a first year 
head coach that's on the offensive side of the ball. Mike Zimmer is a perfect, perfect fit to be a defensive coordinator there. Kind of like Wade Phillips was the defensive coordinator for Sean McVay his first couple years in L.A. with the Rams. So now is Mike Zimmer willing to be the number two guy? Is he willing to not be the boss? I don't know. But Mike Zimmer is a guy who is a free agent. He's a potential uh, defensive coordinator, and he's going to be a really good hire for somebody around the NFL. Now, the Vikings also fired their general manager, Rick Spielman. And the big story from the end of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman's run in Minnesota was that in 2017, they went to, at the end of the 2017 season, they went to the NFC championship game and had Case Keenum at quarterback. Pat Shermer left. Case Keenum was not retained. And in March 2018, right after that happened, January they lost, two months later, they were signing Kirk Cousins to a massive three-year, $84 million contract, fully guaranteed. And the belief was, after going to the NFC title game, the belief was that Kirk Cousins was the final piece of the puzzle to get Minnesota to a Super Bowl. And they fell flat on their face. They went, since then, in the four years since signing Kirk, they went 8 7 and 1, 10 and 6, 7 and 9, and 8 and 9. That's not all Kirk's fault. Kirk, at some points, was even maybe potentially the MVP. Like, he played really, really well at a lot of points in those four years. But whether you like it or not, you sign Kirk Cousins to a massive contract with high expectations. And to, in those four years after that, only have one playoff win to speak of it, to show for that. That's bad. And, and that's a big reason why Mike Zimmer is gone, is it didn't work. They, there was belief there. There was expectations there. And they, they just failed really, really badly. And it's, it's sad. Uh, I remember before this year, Vikings fans were talking about how great Minnesota was. I got all these veterans. Ooh, ah, ah. And I was like, I don't, I don't believe in it, but we'll see. And I'm sorry that Vikings fans had to watch their team lose this year, and um, I, I'm curious who they hire next because I think what they need is someone on the offensive side of the ball to help Kirk and develop that offense and get the most out of the weapons they have on offense because they got a lot of firepower there in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook, uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins. Like, they got some possibilities there, but they got to throw the ball, and they got to be aggressive, and Mike Zimmer just wasn't that. He didn't want to be that, and it really, I think, caused a massive rift between – Zimmer and people that wanted to win in Minnesota. Finally, um, <laughs> let me drink some water. I don't want to sound too happy here. I don't want to sound too happy when I share this, but the Chicago Bears have fired both their head coach, Matt Nagy, and their general manager, Ryan Pace. And uh, it's a day I have waited and waited and waited for for a long time. For years, actually, I've been waiting for Matt Nagy to get fired. And and more importantly to me, actually, is watching Ryan Pace get fired. Uh, I watched bad play calling, bad leadership, bad roster moves. And really the challenge now is to hire someone good because, you know, I guess two guys. they got to hire a head coach and a general manager. I'm really curious who they're going to hire because – They need an offensive-minded coach who can help develop their young quarterback, Justin Fields. I vote for Brian Dable, the Bills' offensive coordinator. He helped develop Josh Allen. Imagine if you got, like, Brian Dable and Mike Zimmer as defensive coordinator. That'd be awesome. I want to see that. 
Um, but I, I just can't say enough how glad I am that not only was Matt Nagy fired, but Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace is gone. And both of them needed to go, but you know, remember Ryan Pace is the guy who drafted Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, and he got a pass for that for years. And I whether not everyone knew what Patrick Mahomes was gonna become and Deshaun Watson and stuff like that, but when it comes to talent wise, Trubisky was not the number two overall pick. He was totally overdrafted. And I I don't care about like what you saw. On film, he was not a first round pick. I will always say that. And I then the fact that he built bad you know, Ryan Pace built bad team after bad team and we blamed Matt Nagy for not being able to win with that team. And I'm like, what about the guy who built the roster? They both need to go. And everyone after Matt Nagy, people were having signs, you know, fire Matt Nagy and chanting at his high school football games. Why did no one ever chant fire Ryan Pace? I just, I, I'm so glad to see him gone as well. I was worried that Chicago was going to fire just the coach and not the GM. And I don't know who they're going to hire next. I have no idea. But um, these guys... Man, they did so bad. And, I, you know, I, I remember – so it can all be true. I think a lot of people are going to say, well, Trubisky wasn't all bad. He had Matt Nagy coaching him, and Matt Nagy was a bad head coach. And I would argue, well, look, Trubisky should not have been a first-round pick. He should not have been a number-two overall pick. He should not have been a franchise quarterback. Trubisky was about the, had about the talent level of a backup quarterback. And I'll tell you what. I will say this till the day I die. Watching – Mitchell Trubisky film. He had so many opportunities downfield that he didn't pull the trigger on or that he missed or was inaccurate on. So I think there was a period where Matt Nagy was making really great play calls and just Trubisky was not good enough. And they found a way to win and make the playoffs, by the way, with Mitchell Trubisky. And so people want to pick a side. Was it Trubisky's fault or Matt Nagy's fault or Ryan Pace's fault? I would say all of them were bad. And Matt Nagy was a bad coach. Pace was bad GM. Trubisky was a bad quarterback. Um, and I'm glad to see now they got a young, you know, they're entering the second year now with Justin Fields next year. And um, I'm glad to see that Justin Fields will no longer have to suffer at the hands of the people who are running the Chicago Bears anymore. I'm curious who they hire, but I, uh, I'm very, very excited for the future of the Chicago Bears with Justin Fields and whoever they hire uh, to be their next head coach in Chicago. Guys, that is all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. Um, enjoy the national title game tonight. Alabama, Georgia should be amazing. Love you. I appreciate you. But um, bum, bam, we are done.